So we're going to continue our study of the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, Pastor Ginto will be on vacation the next two weeks, so I'm going to fill in for him. We'll be looking at the fourth petition this week. Um, Before we do so, let's pray together. Our God in heaven, we do thank you so much for um, our church family, Lord, and just for being able to be here together. Um, We pray that this time will be beneficial, Lord. I pray that um, that you will provide our daily bread and that even our asking will be in a way that honors you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. Um, so if you have the handout, the question and answer for Heidelberg Catechism 125 is on there. Um, I'll read the, the question and uh, let's try to read the answer in unison. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, be pleased to provide all our bodily need so that we may thereby acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good and that without your blessing, neither our care and labor nor your gifts can profit us that we may therefore withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in you alone. So we'll kind of be looking at two things. Uh, what, what are we praying for in the fourth petition? Um, but first, we'll, we'll kind of look at why. Why pray that the Lord will give us our daily bread? Um, The whole idea of prayer is really kind of interesting if you think about it. If you think of who God is and how eternal and all-wise he is. You know, he not only created all things, he's known what's happened through every person's life and all of eternity, throughout all of history, and not only known what happened, but has ordained what's happened. He um, is is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and so the idea that we should go to him and ask him to do something as if our ideas of how things should be done um, should ever be taken in consideration is kind of absurd. You know, knowing who we are and who God is, how finite we are, the idea of us asking God um, almost seems arrogant. And yet, throughout Scripture, we're told to pray. Um, we know that the prayer is a part of the Christian life. Um, in, in Luke chapter 11, where Luke records the Lord's Prayer, he starts out by, by saying, Jesus um, went away and prayed. And when he was finished, one of his disciples came to him and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, you know, Even that request is a great request. Lord, teach us to pray. How are we, as, as the created beings, to pray to, the, to our Creator, to the God of all the universe? And Jesus answered by saying, when you pray, pray like this, or say these words. And that's where Luke records the Lord's Prayer. Um, the Lord's Prayer is really a model for how we are to pray. You know, it's called the Lord's Prayer, but I think the model prayer would be a better word, or a better name for it. It is a model of how we should pray. And what's interesting about the Lord's Prayer is it's really, in some ways, a picture of the whole story of Scripture. Um, the, the story of the Bible is a story of, of God for his own glory, restoring his people to his kingdom. It's 
it, it is sure, and as anything is going to happen, um, God's kingdom will come, and it will be for his glory. You know, one thing we, we can know for sure is that God will be glorified in the end. His kingdom will come. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know that um, he will um, give us this day our daily bread. He's going to provide for his people. He's going to bring a people into his kingdom. He's going to set us apart for his glory. Um, he's going to forgive all our sins. And he's going to keep us from the evil one. So knowing that this is kind of God's overall plan, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we kind of see it that way as almost a priority list for life of what does God want, what is God's plan, and how do we pray that that will happen. Um, so if, let me ask you this, if we know then that God is going to do all things as he has said he's going to do, why do we pray? Because he told us. That's a great answer, right? We pray because God told us to pray. Um, why else? What is what is the point of praying? Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, it's and also the mission that we need him, and that he's the only one to meet our deepest needs. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Both those are great. That. Uh, all right. God not only is an all-powerful, sovereign God, but He's a loving God, and He loves our interaction. He loves when we talk to Him, and and like Gary said, it does show that we truly do need Him. What were you going to say, uh, Charlie? Very good, right? It's yep, you know the, the Lord's prayer starts, "Our Father who art in heaven." You know there is that relationship with the all-powerful God of creation that He tells us to call Him Father, and so it is a relationship with the Father, and and that, that's very true. That to surrender control to God, that you know we may have our request of how we want things done, but we know that that ultimately He's in control. Um, anybody else? Why do we pray if God's if God's already determined what he's going to do. Yeah. Uh, I was just remember reading the pink on the sovereignty of God. Like you said, he's, he's in control. And I think you brought up the point that God is, or he also has ordained our prayers as a means to accomplish what his sovereign providence and plan. All right, yeah. So, yeah, God ordains all things and ordains our prayers even. Right. And I think another main reason to pray is to change our hearts to align them more with God's heart. 
you know, to want what God wants. Um, and and the, the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, I think that's easier to see. You know, when we pray, um, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, when we pray for God's name to be holy, for it to be set apart, when we pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, I think it's easy for us to recognize that that's not always our greatest desire. You know, as those who are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, we do long to see God's name glorified, to see his will be done, to see his kingdom come. But yet we get caught up in life, and life's busy, and our minds are on other things, and there's a thousand things going on. And it's it's easy for us to be thinking about other things other than just the kingdom of God and wanting to see the kingdom of God advance, wanting to see God be glorified. Um, um, what, are, what are the three main things people, or the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism at least, points to as the means of grace by which God changes our hearts? Anybody know? How about Thomas? Primarily, it points to the word, sacrament, and prayer. That that's how God changes our hearts. That that's how God sanctifies us. is through the word, through the sacraments, and through prayer. Um, and, and that is, I think, one of the main reasons for prayer. Is that, that that's what God uses to align our hearts with his. Um, so, so again, it's easier to see that in the first three petitions. That we want... We want our hearts to, to, to want God's glory more. We want to want his kingdom to advance more. We want to see his will be done. And we see it's not in our heart. It, that's not always our great desire. And we know that in prayer, it changes our desires to be more like his. Um, does that change in the fourth petition when we ask for our daily bread? Does the reason we pray change there? I think that's easier for us to say, well, that is what I want, right? That's, yes, I'll definitely ask for supplies for me. For, you know, that's kind of where our hearts more naturally turn. Like, you know, please provide for me throughout this day, throughout this life. Um, please give me the things I need. Um, and one of the main points I want to make in the beginning is that, you know, I wrote at the bottom of the outline that um, we pray the fourth petition as a means of growth and sanctification, not solely to focus on our daily needs. That, that even praying, give us this day our daily bread. Our focus isn't on our daily bread just solely for this life. You know, God doesn't do anything solely for life on earth. You know, it's all got more of an eternal purpose. Everything he does, he truly cares about our life on earth. He truly cares about everything about us. But it's never with the, the solely for the, the here and now. Um, but prayer is a, a means by which God makes us more like his son. Um, yeah, go ahead, Rex. Yeah, and it, yeah, right. Throughout scripture, the theme of, of bread and sustenance is, um, a, a, a great study, you know, and when Jesus talks about being in daily bread, but I, I do think in the Lord's Prayer, he's talking mostly about give us what we need 
to sustain life on earth at this time. Um, but in doing so, it's not for only for life on earth. It's, um, you know, for more than that. You know, I, I think we, we all as Christians often pray that God will change our hearts and minds, help us to be more like you. Um, and that those are great prayers, you know, that we pray for God to give us hearts that model his. And as I've been thinking about this, I think looking at scripture, I think that's, you know, the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. It is just as effective in doing that as in praying for our hearts to be changed. I think our hearts are changed by asking God for the things that, that are important to him, to what his priorities are. Um, and so even when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're praying not to have bread for this life. Um, but, you know, if we look at the answer there, um, how he put it, uh, you know, we're praying that he will provide all our bodily need so that we may thereby acknowledge that, that God is the only fountain of all good and that without his blessing, neither our care and labor nor gifts can profit us. Um, and then also that we may therefore withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in, in you alone. Um, The, the focus of prayer, the focus of praying for our daily bread is not solely to receive daily bread, but we pray so that we it helps us acknowledge who God is, that, that he is the only fountain of all good. Everything that we have is given to us by God. Um, and in praying that he provides, it helps us to focus that God is the one who provided those things, that God has given us our daily bread. Um, you know, we should never lose sight of the fact that everything we have is a gift from God, that everything we have was given to us by God. You know, and I think as, as we get older and we've seen God provide for so long, um, I'm sure in this room we could tell so many stories about the provision of God throughout our lives. You know, we've, we've all known times where it, you know, it doesn't seem like it adds up that the money we make is ever going to cover the bills we have. Oh, you know, we've so many have seen so many hard times, but God always provides, and and sometimes He provides less, um, sometimes He provides more. Um, but most importantly, in in telling us to to pray for our daily bread, I think the first thing is that the reason we do so is not just to receive the daily bread, but so that our hearts are aligned more with his. Um, and the other thing then, the other part is then, what are we praying for in the in this petition? Um, when we pray, yeah, in the fourth petition, what do we pray for? John? Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Um, yeah, you know, when you think of daily bread, you can't help but think of the picture of uh, the Exodus. You know, when God separates a people and brings them out of, of slavery, out of bondage, 
and is bringing them to the promised land, to his kingdom. He provides for them daily bread. You know, he literally drops bread from heaven so that they can have enough to survive for a day. Um, you know, they're told not to take two days worth, um, not to, to save it up and, and hoard it for another time, but to daily uh, depend on God for his for his provision. Except for you know, on the, the sixth day, they would take two days worth of bread for the Sabbath day. Um, I think it would be easy for the Israelites to recognize their dependence on God. You know, they're in the middle of nowhere. They've been there for years. And there's no way they're going to get food if God doesn't drop it from heaven. There's no way they're going to survive a day if God doesn't provide that single day enough to get through a day. Um, And I think in in, in the, the time we live in, it's a lot easier to... To, to to let our minds wander from recognizing our dependence. We are just as dependent as the Israelites are every day. Um, we can work, we can strive. Um, you know, as the as the answer says, uh, you know, all our labor and care will benefit us nothing apart from God's blessing. You know, we quite often um, have a constant income enough that we don't don't realize how dependent we are on God every day. Um, there's seasons where God gives us, where it's a lot more clear that that we need Him to provide, and there's times where we we can you know think we are providing better by ourselves. Um, but the, you know what we're praying for is daily provision. First off, in the the uh, fourth petition, um, let's turn to. Uh, well, let me ask this first: what What do we need to survive? Yeah. All right. Food, water, shelter, clothing. Let's look at uh, 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 12. First Timothy 6, 6 through 12. And there Paul says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. 
Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good profession in the presence of many witnesses. You know, there it says with food and clothing, these things um, we will be content. You know, I, I, I think when we talk about provisions, it's, it's closely uh, associated or tied to contentment. Um, you know, God, is, God provides for us, and in, in quite often there are seasons where we have very little. And in, we need to be content during those seasons. Um, it's hard to be content when you have less than others around you. Um, Jamie and I met in Mexico in a very small little village where there was just extreme poverty. You know, there's no water, there's no electricity, um, but there's joy. Little kids run around all the time. They come up to us, you know, they're just, they don't know they don't have things, and they can be happy. They, you know, it's, it's easy sometimes. I, I saw it in Mexico or in uh, Uganda when I had a chance to stay there. I spent one almost a month in in a very remote village, and people seemed content a lot more than they do in America. And I spent another few weeks in a city that had access to the internet, where most people had smartphones. They could see what the Western world lives like, and they can realize I don't have what the Western world has. Um, America is, you know, historically one of the most prosperous nations ever. The lives we have are so comfortable, but there's many in America who can make two hundred thousand and live among people who make four hundred thousand, and feel very frustrated. You know, at any level, if you're surrounded by people who have more, it's very difficult to be content with less. Um, and yet, the Bible says, "With food and clothing, therewith we will be content." It says contentment with godliness is great gain. You know, I've, I've known a time in my life when I uh, first, was, God was first opening my eyes to be able to really understand who he is. Um, and I had nothing. I literally left home and uh, was driving around the country and had no money. I had nothing but, uh, you know, a knowledge of who God was. It was, you know, and was content at that time with very, very little. Um you know, the more we can see the value of who our God is, the more we know how great knowing God is, the easier it is to be content without our earthly possessions. Um, but like Gary was saying, your perspective is everything. If we think we're not getting what we deserve, it's hard to be content. That I should have more then it's very difficult to be content with what you do have. Um, in, in dealing with this question, the, the Westminster Confession of Faith talks a lot about how we deserve wrath and judgment. How we, you know, from, from the time Adam sinned in the garden, mankind does not deserve anything from the hand of God. You know, mankind does not deserve 
to have life sustained at all. We deserve the wrath and judgment of God. Um, and if we can see that eternal perspective, it's easier to be content with what we have, knowing that everything we have is a gift of God. Everything we have is more than we deserve to have. Um, yeah, Charlie. Yeah, that right. That's and, you know, and that reminds me of what what Jesus said to Peter when he when he called him off the boat and said, "Feed my sheep." You know, and it's you know w- what we are to be fed is Christ, and, and Christ truly is the bread of life. Um, in, in the more eternal of a perspective we have, the more we can be satisfied with less on earth, um, knowing that that we have the bread of life. We have what's important. You know, everything else is a gift from God. And, you know, if we have enough to be sustained, that we should be content with. You know, godliness and contentment is great gain. And yet God chooses quite often to bless his people with with more than just what they need to survive. Um, you know, again, especially in the country we live in, if you live by godly principles, quite often you'll be a better employee and get more money. You know, quite often, those who live by godly principles earn more than they need to survive. You know, we're, we aren't, you know, we aren't in a position where we're literally going to starve today if bread doesn't fall out of the sky. Many of us have solid income, some for many years. Um, many of us have uh, more than we actually need to survive and have extra, you know, and and I I think when we, when in the fourth petition, it says to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I think it kind of has two aspects. We are to pray that God gives us enough to survive. We are, you know, and it it changes our hearts to know that that it is God that we hope in to provide what we need for the day. And there's times in our lives, there's seasons of life where we are on that very brink, where we need we, we recognize how much we are in need for that same day to, to have bills paid, to have, to you know, whatever we need. But I also think on the flip side, when God's brought a season of life where we have extra, that praying, give us this day our daily bread, kind of reorients our focus to saying what we really need is, is not much but little. Um, and I think it's important to be wise during those seasons of when you have more, 
Um, you know, I I grew up more of an evangelical mindset that Christians shouldn't have much. Christians should be, you know, have very little. Um, but I think with responsibility, quite often comes more responsibility. You know, and we need to recognize that every possession we have is another responsibility. And it's not always great to have more possessions. Um, but it's not wrong, you know. And it's, you know, as soon as you start saying this is how much a Christian should have and this is how much Christians should not have, then it becomes very legalistic, you know. And there's, there's many who can handle having much without it turning their heart away from the Lord. There's many who can't handle that. Um, you know, I think one thing that's, that's wise is to know that you should never use what God has given you to ever buy something that's going to turn your heart from him. You know, if you can't handle having some possession without loving that and, and you know, having it, you know, ha- having it make your life less interested in the kingdom of God, then you don't need it. Um, you know, and the other thing is when, when you have more, we are to be generous. You know, we aren't supposed to hold on to what we have as it is our treasure. Um, we know that Christ alone is our treasure. Um, and, and quite often these seasons of life change. You know, it, typically we start off with less and get to a place where we have more. And it seems like the easier pattern of life because um, you're not used to having more, especially if you grow up with less. You, you're, you're, it, you know, it doesn't surprise you when you start off with less. But then there are seasons of life when you have more and have to go back to having less. Um, and, and, you know, what's important to know is that God ordains those seasons, that even when we pray for our daily bread, we're not praying solely for provisions on earth. But we're praying for our daily bread so that it will reorient our mind to know who God is more, to love him and to trust him. Um, you know, as it as it says in that answer, that you know, give us this day our daily bread, that is be pleased to provide for all our bodily need, so that we may thereby acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good, and that without your blessing, neither our care and labor nor your gifts can profit us, profit us, that we may therefore withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in you alone. Um, in some ways, I think it's easier during times of less to recognize, to acknowledge that God is the only fountain of all good. Um, but I think we all know that our labors and our cares cannot provide for us unless it pleases God to do so. Um, let's let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, um, like uh, John was sharing with us a little while ago. There's, there's no passage of Scripture in my life that, uh, that I think I've clung to closer at times than Matthew 6 here. Um, in the end of it, from verse 25 to the end, um, you know, it just, it's kind of a picture of all of life and, and how we should see life, I think. And, he, and Jesus says here, 
Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And what are... And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. But especially verse 33 again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Like I started, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, our first and great desire should be for the kingdom of God. To see God, to see more than anything, for God's name to be glorified. For his kingdom to come and for his will to be done. Um, that should be what we seek more than, our, more than sustaining life on earth. Um, and even in praying that, I think our minds will change to see that God is our provider and that that we are dependent on him, that we do need to acknowledge him. Any other thoughts? Any? It's so easy to say, so hard to do. It is, right. And, that, and that's the beauty of prayer, right? It's, you know, I, I think we all know those times when we're so, so tense, excuse me, and so frustrated inside and we could sit and pray and all of a sudden be at peace. That we can see our hearts change to saying, you know what, I I love the kingdom of God and that's what I want, you know. Yeah, John. Yeah, and, and everybody hates struggling. But yet I think we know that, that our God is good, and any test is a good thing. It's going to push us, whether we like it or not, and it's going to push us into a better way. You know, and it's, um, all right, quite often hunger, more than anything, will show you what's in your heart. It's, when you're fed, it's easier to be kind. Right. 
Yeah, I think it does us well to, to share those stories with one another. You know, it's just, um, you know, I'm sure there's so many stories we could tell of, of God's provision, but, you know, we're all still here. <laughs> you know, it's. And, you know, I'll add this to that. There's times when the way God provides is through the church and through the deacons of the church. Um, and I've, I've had the privilege of being a deacon. And one thing that's uh, been a great blessing through that is just the comfort of knowing that, how much that helps people. I'd say the majority of the aconal needs have never come to fruition. People come and say, you know, things are looking bad here. You know, and take great comfort in knowing that if things go really bad, the deacons are there and can help bail them out or can help steer them, you know, give them wisdom. But the majority of the time, other things work out. But it's still just a comfort. And it should be a comfort to you all to know that the church is here. And that, you know, the deacons will help. And, and God can provide through that way. Any other thoughts? Paul in the book of Philippians says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. That's probably King James language. But he, you know, I know how to have little and not have much. And I think it's easier to learn to, to have little and love God than it is with much. And I think that's a harder lesson to learn, um, to, to recognize our dependence when we have much. Um, at least for me, it's, um, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I have a you know, very much, but compared to where I've been in other times, I have much. All right, let's pray together. Our God in heaven, we do thank you that you are our loving Father. Lord, we know that you delight in giving good gifts to your children. And Lord, we do pray that, um, that we will remember even to pray to you. And that through in praying to you, you will help us focus what's on what is important. And Lord, we do also just pray that you will provide our daily bread. I know there's many in this congregation who are coming into really hard times, and, um, and we just pray that you will continue to be faithful as you always have, that you will provide as you always have. And again, we thank you that we can be here together, Lord. We thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name.